For the first time in 2024, this is the Women's Football Talk podcast. I'm Brad. As always, I'm joined by Regan. And it's been a bit of a while. <laughs> this is our first pod in, I swear, it's been over a month. I was going to say it's been about three, four weeks um, since we've last done it. But yeah, obviously we had the winter break uh, with a lot of the women's football uh, so not much has happened in that sense, football-wise. Obviously, this past weekend, some of the leagues have came back. Um, but yeah, good winter break, I think. Well, yeah, it was a good winter break in the sense for the football but all, but not so much, I guess, personally for us. I've been dealing with a cold that took me out for two weeks, which derailed podcast plans that we had at, at the the end of the year. But all that's done. We're back. We're ready for a new year. Jeremy Corbyn, hands clap. Uh, our first full year as a podcast. Hopefully. We're back stronger. No, he wasn't. Exactly. <laughs> but who, who knows how <laughs> the year plays out. Let's get into discussion. A lot has happened already this year. Not all of it positive, unfortunately. Injuries already taking the headlines. Transfer news over here has it's been intriguing, but nothing like out of this world or unexpected for the most part, I feel. Yeah, I'd say 90% of it you think are deals that were kind of expected and kind of needed by their clubs. I think only one deal has really surprised me, and that's been the Christy Mewis one to West Ham. Other than that, I think pretty much most of the yeah, transfers yeah. you kind of expected. Yeah, although that the real fun element of that one was taken from us. It, we'll yeah. get to that, obviously. We'll give our thoughts on a lot of things as we go on, but it's Probably fair to start with the weekend's games. It was the fourth round of the Women's FA Cup. We'll start, I think it has to be Chelsea versus West Ham. It was supposed to be the Sam Kirk, Kirsty Mewis derby. And it got took from us because Sam Kerr suffered a ACL injury at the start of the year. It's, it's horrible. Yeah, massive, massive blow. Not just for Chelsea, but for uh, Australia as well. So... Likely we won't see her in 2024 play football. Obviously, players take different times and lengths to recover from their ACL injuries. Um, but yeah, big, big blow for Chelsea as they look to go for a fifth straight uh, WSL title, trying to get that last uh, Champions League title as well in Emma Hayes' last season. Big, big blow for Chelsea on that front. And then obviously Australia, they've got the Olympics to potentially be at uh, later on this year and not having her there is going to be a massive blow. Been really unlucky with injuries because obviously she missed um, quite a lot of the World Cup group stages as well. Um, so injury hasn't really been uh, kind to Sam Coe over the last eight to ten months realistically and now with this ACL injury she underwent surgery I think over the weekend. Um so a prolonged absence uh, from football for her is obviously a massive blow. But in the end, Chelsea got the job done against West Ham United. Yeah, just about winning the game three-one after, yeah, winning after extra time. This this was the first chance we've really got to see what Chelsea would be like without her. I think we were left with a couple of questions given how they ended up setting up. Yeah, it was um, a bit of a strange one, I think, uh, from Chelsea. So the forward four players from the start was Lauren James playing through the middle. Then they had Guru writing on the left, Johanna writing Canarid on the right, and then uh, Fran Kirby behind Lauren James. Lauren James, yeah, she, was she playing in the number nine? Because yeah, it, was... it looked odd, and I don't think it works at all. No, I think she's more of a wide player, and use her explosiveness to get at players and then cut inside. And it, it was very telling that she just seemed to really struggle. In Maybe it was just against that West Ham defence and maybe the more the season goes on and the more she plays centrally, she will get better. But yeah, she did seem to struggle in this one. Obviously, went off um, at the start of the second half in extra time for uh, Aggie Beaver-Jones, who ended up getting the third goal for Chelsea. Um, but yeah, I don't know where Chelsea go, because obviously you've got Lauren James who can play through the middle. They've got 
me official. They've got Katarina Macario to slowly come back. Micah Hamano as well, the young Japanese forward who's progressing back from her injury as well that she sustained at the World Cup. It's like they've got the options, but who does Emma Hayes ultimately uh, lean on? And if this weekend's anything to go by, it seems to be Lauren James, but could that end up backfiring against Chelsea? Well, that's certainly the question. I was going to lean more into that talk later on when we did. We were going to plan to do a mid-season review. I think we'll talk more overall in that aspect mm-hmm. later on. But with this game, they had to rely on Mia Fischel coming off the bench to get the goals and then Erin Cuthbert and Aggie Bib Jones scoring yeah. extra time. Mia Fischel's not a bad option either. I think she's shown in moments that she can step up. Yeah, I think for her, it's just more about the adjustment to the WSL and Emma Hayes' style of play. And then I think maybe now she'll get more minutes with Sam Kerr's injury. It's one of them where it's a blessing in disguise for someone like Mia Fischel, because obviously you don't wish an injury on anyone, but when it's someone in your position and you're not getting the minutes, it's, yeah, actually yeah, could end up working in Fischel's uh, benefits because she's obviously getting more game time and able to show why Chelsea brought her in. And yeah, coming on uh, at the hour mark when Chelsea made a triple substitution, uh, Natalie Bjorn also making her Chelsea debut uh, after her January move from Everton. Definitely that changed the game, them substitutes. Obviously, they were a goal down at the time um, because Vivian Asai scored. And then those substitutions definitely gave Chelsea more energy and revitalised them. Yeah, and I think for Chelsea's standpoint as well, you like the look of Natalie Bjorn in there as well. Definitely a, a good player that will be a massive benefit for them from the defensive side of things as well. But there was a few question marks in here as well. I think Jess Carter wasn't particularly at her best in this match either. But we'll, we'll go through other games. The rest of the WSL big hitters made it through pretty comfortably. Big wins for Arsenal, Manchester City and Manchester United. I want to give a shout out to Newcastle's away support at Lee Sports Village. That is something I would have yeah. liked to have been amongst. Yeah, over a thousand of them travelled uh, across the Pennines uh, to Lee Sports Village to watch uh, them take on Manchester United. It ultimately wasn't to be for uh, Newcastle losing 5 0, but it, it's one of them where it didn't feel like a 5 0 performance because Newcastle were really good at times. Uh, but then it's just the difference in quality of players for Manchester United and Mark Skinner's side uh, proved winning. I mean, they were 3 0 down uh, after 55 minutes, but they definitely give credit to them. They made themselves uh, really strong. And I think uh, they're a team that even Mark's going to said uh, afterwards, it won't be long until they're in the WSL. And I think uh, the way Becky Langley has got them playing is absolute credit to themselves. Like you can see the dedication, uh, the will that they want to do for the club. Uh, it, I mean, you saw it post-game. They went over for that group picture in front of the fans. It seems like a very well-connected women's team. Yeah, if that's something that you can praise the ownership for, is that they're clearly putting a lot of effort into this women's team. And you would expect, if they're continuing on the run they are now, is it out of the question that maybe one day, if there's an expanded WSL, Newcastle are probably in one of the best positions to get amongst that? You'd say if they get yeah. one of those spots, they carry on going up the table and going up the ranks in the league system as it is currently. Yeah, I mean, I'd, it may be even one where they don't need it because I think if they continue the run that they're on, it won't be long. I think maybe two, three years max that could actually be in the WSL um, just for how everything's going at that club. I mean, I think that was their first defeat in 399 days. I think I saw a post saying about that afterwards which yeah the run was pretty long it might actually have been like 299 something like that I wasn't too sure whether it was 299 yeah, or I, 399 I, days but it's one of them <laughs> I can't remember um, yeah intrigued to see them one day at the highest level fans are clearly going to get behind them I still remember that game at St James's Park where they sold 28,000 it was like that's a team in the, the lower echelons of women's football when they're getting them numbers that's exciting to to see 
definitely is. I mean, and long may it continue, uh, not just for Newcastle, but other teams as well. But yeah, c- credit to uh, Newcastle. And uh, some other teams that did well that aren't in the WSL, um, obviously we had the cup upset of the round with Wolves beating uh, Reading two goals to one. Um, that was a big shock. See, yes, it's a shock in league standards, but I also look at it and go, Reading's situation right now is very bleak, and that women's team has suffered as a cause of that. Like, they're not even a professional team anymore. They had to turn them into an amateur yeah. level just to keep them going. But you're still going to give credit to Wolves. They came from behind to win as well. That I thought that was pretty good. Mm. And with Reading as well, uh, obviously we know about their ownership and stuff going on with the men's side as well but like you said with the women's side they've gone from professional to semi-professional struggling this season uh, a lot in the championship sitting down in 10th place just outside the relegation zone it hasn't been uh, a good 12 months for uh, Reading but yeah full credit to Wolves like you say coming from behind to get that uh, victory is just absolutely fantastic for them and to have a team from that low down in uh, the English tier, make it through to round five is just absolutely brilliant. Yeah, and we could talk about their reward for doing so now. It's the the fifth round draw took place. It was, I think we've got a pretty clear standout fixture from this, it's safe to say. Arsenal are playing Manchester City in the fifth round. Yeah, what a great tie. And also, yeah. and I've realised it doing my notes this morning, this is going to be the first time that these two will have faced since the touchline spat between you and Azide of Alan Gareth Taylor, if you remember in the last game. Oh, yes, I do remember that earlier on this season. Jesus Christ. But yeah. Um, I can't wait. Yeah, they didn't apologise to each other either. So bad, <laughs> bad blood still there. <laughs> Yeah, um, definitely the standout tie of uh, the fifth round. Are they going to shake hands? That, that's what we'll be asking at the time. Are they going to even like acknowledge each other? Yeah, I think they will. They will have got put over it by now. You'd expect anyway. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Run through some of the other fixtures. London City Lioness has got through. They're playing Liverpool. Leicester City are playing Birmingham City. That's I think that's an interesting one, actually. Birmingham City, top of the... The championship against Leicester, who, as far as we still aware, they're you know they're not on a great run right now. That has potential for a, a bit of a shock element. Definitely, I think that is one that could uh, cause a few upsets along the way. Yeah, and going on to Wolves, we didn't say they're playing. They're playing Brighton and Hove Albion, who beat the lowest ranked team from the last round in Luton Town six nil, pretty comfortable win there. Tottenham are facing Charlton. Uh, Tottenham just about got through themselves. If you've seen that one, they had to come from 2-0 down to beat Sheffield United in the 96th minute, I want to say. It was either 95th or 96th. So I don't remember. Rosella Ayan with that late goal. Well, they got two um, goals. Other late. games they had running through. Because uh, two goals late. I know the second one was late on, but the winner was in added time. Yeah, Beth England's uh, equaliser was in the 80th minute and then Rosella Ayan's in the 96th minute. Yeah, much needed comeback there for, for Spurs. Uh, the last three fifth round games have been drawn. Nottingham Forest versus Everton, which is quite funny after like what's happened with clubs in the men's side of the game. Yes. Quite a funny element to that one. And then the other two games, Southampton are playing Manchester United and Chelsea will face Crystal Palace. Yeah, again. Yeah, I like, I like, I like a lot of those games. Yeah, um, and good exposure for both Crystal Palace and Southampton going up against... Uh, such big sides in the WSL. Obviously, Chelsea, uh, winners of the FA Cup last year, Manchester United losing finalists to Chelsea last year. So, uh, great exposure uh, potentially for Palace and Southampton, obviously, getting the home tie against Manchester United. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what sort of turnout yeah. that can get. Yeah, it's going to add as well. We've seen Southampton in person. They're not. A bad team. They're definitely a team that's on the the rise. I think they they'll be up for this. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and Crystal Palace as well. Well, we haven't seen action. They're a team that a time I look the 
they've got a lot of goals in them and a lot of talent amongst their squad. Yeah, I mean, both are, well, Palace are currently fourth in the championship. Southampton are in fifth, both on 21 points. Um, so, yeah, they're not going to be an easy run over for of the WSL teams, and they are definitely teams on the come up. Yeah, the, the championship is very competitive. I think we shouldn't completely write them off in any of these matches. Uh, should we move on? Yeah, I think from the Women's FA Cup, there's been a lot of other news that's happened this morning. In fact, Serena Vigman has extended her contract as England head coach. That news was revealed today. Good news, that, for England, you'd say? Vigman's staying on until the next World Cup, it seems. After the next World Cup. But yeah, um, absolutely uh, absolutely fantastic news for England. Obviously, she's been a massive success since she's came in, helped England win uh, the European Championships, uh, obviously got to the World Cup final, and just everything seems to be... Although, obviously, post-World Cup, there's been a little bit of a blip in uh, performances and results. I think otherwise she's done a fantastic job uh, in her tenure and I think it's only right and it was needed because obviously there's been rumours that she could potentially have taken over the men's side in the future, replacing Gareth Southgate. Uh, Could she have gone to another job like a club level? Um, I think it's really strong that uh, they've managed to do this so early on and saying, look, we fully trust you um, to get us eight Euros in 2025 and then the World Cup in 2027 um, is really key. And I think also her assistant uh, signing as well, an extension. He's been really key to helping Serena Vigman develop this England team. And uh, yeah, I think it's brilliant news for the Lionesses to have them tied down through the 2027 World Cup. Yeah, I think it's very much they're the best options right now currently. Emma yeah. Hayes becoming the USA coach has changed it. You're not really looking at anyone else going, yep, there's the next England manager, I think. Yeah, and I think... Is I, that... Well, the only other option you'd say that's like could have potentially replaced her and she's been linked up as Emma Hayes' replacement is Casey Stoney. Um, hmm. But at the same time, I'm like, Yes, some of the results haven't recently gone well for Serena Vigman, but at the same time, nothing's really broken. It's going well. This year, should we get in uh, Leo Williamson potentially back at some point in the internationals? Um, Mary Earps, who just, we'll get onto that in a bit, uh, winning the best goalkeeper award. Serena Vigman herself winning the best coach of the year as well. So it's not like England aren't getting the results and everything's going to... Uh, the bin it's it's still the progression of England's win football since Vigman has gone second fold and it's getting gonna continue getting better and I think it's just right to continue by her yeah and you already skipped ahead in the running order of course we were going to talk about last night's uh FIFA best awards it wasn't many surprises really when you think about it, Aitana Balmati was always going to win the Best Player Award. Yeah. I think that was safe to say. Mary Earp, I think, was always going to win Best Goalkeeper as well. Maybe he could have debated it whether Catacole deserved it. Maybe Mackenzie Arnold had just about done enough. But voting clearly had Mary Earp's winning if you'd seen that as well. Yeah. I mean, I think we all knew it was going to be Earp's um, by a country mile away. I think... When she won um, sports personality and what was the other goalkeeper award she won last year? I can't remember. Well, the Ballon d'Or was it? They didn't do the separate goalie award either, did they? No. No, but um, I think once you saw like uh, some of the recognition uh, that Ertz was getting, I think it was going to be impossible to look past her for goalkeeper of the year. Uh, same with Balmati, Ballon d'Or winner, World Cup winner. Everything Balmati does is just turns into trophies for her so it was going to be impossible for it not to be her i think coach of the year is the one that... i had to like if i just say with bon massey i had to look at the other nominees i thought yeah no it's, it's bon massey it's, I don't... It? like kaisado and hamaso were all right fair but it's like mm. it's not even close they've not do. done what bon massey's done yeah so like kaisado and hamaso are great players but when you look at bon massey and the numbers she puts up and everything she does on a weekly basis at barcelona it's just 
impossible for it not to have been her and it would have been strange that she wins the Ballon d'Or but not the FIFA Best Awards. Like, that would have been really uh, confusing if that had happened. Right, it's hardly the most confusing thing we've seen with these awards. No, <laughs> uh, not this one, though. Serena Beeman winning Best Coach, I think, was it's fair. But you could debate that maybe Jonathan Geraldes had deserved it. I mean, it's one of them where you're like, what more does he have to do? Because he, he's continually a success at Barcelona. He's doing everything possible with Barcelona winning the Champions League, winning Liga F. Like, there's nothing else he can do. Like, there's only limitations to what he can do because there isn't more competitions there out there for Barcelona to win. Um, obviously, the news of him leaving Barcelona at the end of the season to head over to the States as well, that came out um, since we were last on as well. Um, so, yeah, I think Heraldo's... Yeah, and- I, I, I given that it's the end of WSL as well, I wonder if he ever gets nominated for this ever again. Like that league doesn't get the acknowledgement I think that it maybe deserves. Maybe though, with him going over there, it may start picking up some more recognition, especially maybe if some. You hope so. Like I, I'm quite excited for the end of WSL this season. Yeah, I mean, we've got two and a bit months. I think it's coming back late March, maybe early April. It's back, so plenty to look forward to there. But yeah, I think for him, it's. You like well, what more does he have to do to win the award? <laughs> like, <laughs> there's nothing he can do. Yeah, like when you've won pretty much everything, it's hard to start asking like, why, why, why haven't you reward? What were can't get my words out. Why haven't you given him his reward for that? You could say the same as well for Spanish yeah. and Barcelona players in like, you know fifth pro world 11s because i I don't want to talk about this too long because personally me i don't care it's a vote for the players and the time frame was like in question as well what's going on with these fifth pro world 11s like i I can't get behind that at all horrendous is what i will say it's like they looked at our one maybe in advance and went just do the opposite yeah i mean so it's heavily dominated by england players they've got two Spanish players in there and Alex Morgan and Sam Kerr. I mean... Yeah. Like, before me, pylons start happening on player social medias, which should never happen entirely this, it, it's player voted. It's all hmm. on them. They see something differently that we don't. If that's what they've gone with, then it, it's fair. In That's just how it is. Yeah, I'm not going to, like, discredit any of the players and saying they shouldn't be in there or have Anybody who's taking seriously i think just needs to like just calm down a little bit Mm -hmm. the one thing i would say though is and this is just my thing looking at it is surely in a year where a world cup has happened the winning team of that world cup should have the most players in a world 11 because the world cup is literally the defining point of football it's (laughs) like the best nations yeah. Are at it. And I understand that. I also, yeah. I also wonder if the WSL is really growing in popularity. Has that had an impact maybe on this vote? Oh, I think it quite a few WSL because... players in this. I mean, yeah, Erbs, Greenwood, Toon, Russo, Kerr, and James. So that's six of the 11 playing the WSL. My big thing I'd say with the way you do ever anyone does a team of the year. I'm thinking, right, if I actually want this team to go out and play a match, I want them to at least be stable. Look, at this defence, right, <laughs> Lucy Bronze will just be up front most of the time trying to attack and score. So mm. will Olga Carmona. Poor Alex Greenwood is just at the back on her own. <laughs> Maybe Kira Walsh <laughs> is just stood in front of her to protect her. But that's it. Well, yeah, because you're going to have Ella Toon and Aitana Bomati bombing forward as well. So it's literally just got Alex <laughs> Greenwood and Walsh doing all the defensive work. It's it's just like it's very attack heavy. Oh, Barry is in gold. Just like, like where's my defense? It's it's very. Uh, but anyway, we know that we're, we're 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 actually feeding the the narrative of caring about this now. <laughs> it yeah, that, but... Congratulations to all who made it. Yeah, like fair play. You've all voted for each other. Clearly, <laughs> <laughs> big packs exactly. has gone on there. 
big big brain plays marcus rushford point to the head <laughs> <laughs> i need to add my point with t any team of the year it's all very subjective there's no point even like, just thinking about it too much well yeah i mean because even with our stuff, we have debates about who should go in there and who shouldn't. Um, it's very subjective. And like, no one. Can I say like more and more? I actually disagree right. now on Rachel Daly. <laughs> it should have been Sam Kerr. Yeah, supposedly so, but that's in the past. We can't change it. Let's see how it is. we do this year when it comes to it. We've got eleven more. It was weird though. Like, got to call out the YouTube comment section. But people seem to have an issue with Lauren James being in it more than anything. <laughs> Just not what? So the WSL is back this weekend. There's a couple of good games to look forward to. A couple of narrative threads that could come out of this. But what we're going to do is a little mid-season review of each team. Just to start with, we'll, we'll start at the top. We discussed Chelsea a little bit already after the win at the weekend. But... Coming into the WSL season now, it doesn't feel as clear as it did a couple of weeks ago now, saying that they're going to comfortably go on to win the title, does it? No, I mean, it's going to be uh, interesting. I think they've got injuries, uh, the big front for them. Obviously, we spoke about Sam Kerr being a long-term injury. We still don't know when Millie Bright's going to be back um, from her injury. Big Big first game back in the WSL this weekend as well for them against uh, Manchester United. I'm intrigued to see how... I know this might be a word that props up a lot because it is going to be a very intriguing second half of the season because there's a lot of narrative open. But with Chelsea, is who gets the goals now that Sam Kerr's out? Obviously, she hasn't been firing a long cylinder so far this season, but when she's needed to, she's popped up with a crucial goal for Chelsea who is going to be that player that does that for them when she, obviously with her not available um, into the final six months of Emma Hayes' time at Chelsea as well? Can they finish the season on a high and then end her tenure at the club with uh, another title? Yeah, it's certainly up for debate. I will definitely have the answer to that one. I think maybe as the weeks go by, we see a bit more of Chelsea in action see how they they adapt to the big injury that has that has happened as we saw me official came off the bench getting that winner maybe she gets a bit more game time could a bit more trust be put on her does emma Hayes stick with the lauren james plan at, at the number nine or mm, it's like, honestly, if you're gonna put some number nine surely fran kirby maybe is in a better position to do that you would think so, but at the same time, you're like, but then you'd ex- you saying like Lauren James goes out wide, and then who you have them play in that number eight position? Mm, I don't know. I feel like the midfield is like good enough. Like, is that like, even losing yeah. Sam Kerr is going to completely derail their title push? I think their team is still more than good enough for me. You'd think their forward. They're they're, fr- they're free behind whoever goes at number nine would be Lauren James, whoever then you want to put in the middle. Even if you want to maybe put Lauren James in the middle, why couldn't Johanna Wright and Canarid start a few more games? Yeah, I mean, there's that potential as well. I think it's options which I think we're going to see more throughout these next coming weeks at least. Uh, what Emma Hayes plans to go with. Um, I don't know whether I've got a distinct answer of like who should play uh, where, but obviously that's what Emma Hayes is getting paid to do over these uh, time. And yeah, I think it's going to be one to watch to see how it does unfold with that forward four players. Mm. As we know, there's one player in particular who's really stood up this season and announced herself into this Chelsea team and that's Aggie Beaver-Jones. Is this the time where she really like steps up and takes control? Yeah, I think she definitely could. And I think if she continues what she did in the first half of the season, then it's going to be hard to look past her. And I think Emma Hayes could potentially maybe employ her as like a, a more attacking player. It could happen, maybe. I think we've seen Aggie Beaver-Jones more or less play out wide and then drift in just to create 
space. Mm. So, you know, you leave her. If you wanted to put her in the number nine, I guess you could have her just free roam, essentially. Just be wherever you want to be. Yeah. Because we know there's other players that are going to be in that area as well because we move so so fluently in, the, in ro- and rotating the whole team. So you never know. They have a chance. Definitely so. And uh, like you say, with, with, without some Kerr, you can't discredit Chelsea and say, like, oh, that's going to derail their season or anything. Like, they're still going to do very strongly and still probably favourites to win their league title anyway. Yeah. And uh, now we can go on to maybe their, well, as currently their two closest challengers to them Manchester City and Arsenal both second and third respectively right now. Both teams have gone fairly well for the most part. They've impressed in moments. They've also had sticky patches, losing games they probably shouldn't have lost. Do you see either of those two really Mm. stepping up another gear in the second half of the season? Uh, City, um, I think possibly more. Um, I've been really impressed with how they're playing. They look solid defensively. And I think as Kiara Keaton gets more games under her belt, because she seems to be nailed on as City's number one now, um, I think we'll see her continue to grow in confidence and uh, City will just do really well. I mean, they've got uh, the best defensive record in the league, only conceded seven goals this season. Uh, next closest is Arsenal with 10. And I think the way Jill Rod has settled into this Manchester City team as well has been really impressive. And I don't think it's been talked about much considering she's coming over from Germany at VFL Wolfsburg. The way she's settled in so easily at this City team has been very impressive, actually. Yeah, maybe could slightly have been spoke about a bit more. I've seen a couple of conversations where they've put her aside into the season, which... I would, yeah, I'd agree for the most part. I think that's definitely a debate to be had towards the end because there's a couple of options there. I think Martha Thomas mm. is for me, probably at the moment. But yeah, uh, Manchester City, their run of fixtures coming up, dare I say, it's close to the season defining a little bit. They play Liverpool this weekend. That's going to be an interesting one given what we know of Liverpool. When they're really on it, we'll talk about them later. They're then playing Tottenham, again, the same boat pretty much. Then they play Leicester, maybe that's right now how form is from the end of the first half of the season. That's a straightforward one. But then they play Chelsea, and that's going to be huge in the context of the whole title race. Yeah, they have um, some very big, very busy uh, next four to six weeks of the season which could really be uh, title defining for uh, Gareth Taylor's side whether they're uh, actual title challengers or are they pretenders Um, and it all starts this weekend with that home game against Liverpool Um, I think it's going to be such a big big battle because obviously um, last season the Back end of it, obviously, Liverpool beat Manchester City by two goals to one. Uh, they faced each other in the Conti Cup earlier on this season with City winning 4-3. Um, yeah, I think this next month is going to be really telling for Gareth Taylor's side in that sense. It is. And moving to Arsenal now, there's the, their next few fixtures I think are actually pretty OK. They play Everton on Saturday. Then they play Liverpool, which they'll be wanting to get revenge on because of how it went at the start of the season. If you remember that, well, that's the game that mm. we all just went, oh, my God, what's, what's happened with this Arsenal team? That wasn't what we expected at all. And then after that, they play West Ham. And then after that is Man, a run know, of three games, which I find particularly interesting and probably season-defining in their context because... They play Manchester United on the 17th of February. Then they play Spurs in the North London derby after that. And then they play Chelsea after them. Yeah, that month is going to be massive for Arsenal. Um, it's interesting that I guess there's international compared... breaks between them because there's like two-week gaps between each fixture. Yeah, there's... I know there is a international break coming up in uh, February yeah. because it was announced uh, that England are going to be playing two games. They, they didn't say who against, yeah, but no, they will be playing two games. Yeah. And then 
FA Cup, isn't it? Oh, no, that's before. No, I don't know. Yeah. We'll work it out at the time. But, yeah, well, how they, huge how they progress in the FA Cup. Mm. And obviously, they made the January signing of uh, Emily Fox uh, after she left the North Carolina Courage. She's came in to replace Noel Moritz, who's gone on to uh, Aston Villa, probably uh, one of the worst kept secrets. But I don't know what to expect from Aussie <laughs> to the second half of the season. <laughs> Don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah, with Arsenal, I don't know what to expect this second half of the season because obviously they've got um, Beth Mead and Vivian Meadamar back and they're obviously playing more minutes and looking well as they go on. Uh, Kyra Cooney-Cross and Victoria Pullover have been outstanding in the midfield from what we've seen of them this season, but there's something inside of it that goes, I don't see Arsenal getting close to Chelsea. I don't know why. There's something in me that's going, I don't see this Arsenal team being the ones that challenge Chelsea to the title. Well, we've seen it firsthand this season. Like, There's too many games that have happened where they just haven't taken their chances at all. Mm. And, and you know, you look at the attacking talent they have, look. That's not. There's, there's no excuse for it, really. There's even partially um, throughout moments in the game against uh, Watford at the weekend. Yes, they scored two early goals uh, for Russo and Leo Balti, but then it took them a while to continue to kick on and get them more goals. And there was chances for uh, Russo uh, and others. And it, it's just like there's just something that's missing and they don't seem to have that final nail in the coffin at the minute that you can say, okay, this is Arsenal fully and we know they can dominate teams, they're going to get their goals, they're going to be challenging for the title. I mean, obviously they can be, uh, but there's just times where they just, like, they're just lacking that finishing touch. Yeah, that's something that they've got to rectify in these next few games. But another thing that Jonas Aldevar has confirmed is Leah Williamson's on her way back as well. Apparently she's in full training, so... Maybe we could expect to see her on the bench in the next few games. That's quite early than that we expected. It's been like eight months, hasn't it? Uh, yeah, she did hers in April last year. Uh, so eight, nine months. Um, but I mean, it's, it's back in training. I mean, mm. if you think about it, like how early was Beth Mead back in training before she made a competitive appearance? So yeah, no, that's sure. why I'm thinking it's probably more likely. March, I'd imagine that she'll be back actually playing action-wise. Yeah, the best thing to do is not to rush her back after an injury like that Mm -hmm. as well. It's the best thing to do in that situation. We'll move on to... Can I just get one final thing? Yeah, go around. Um, Obviously, um, goalkeeping situation at Arsenal has been talked about a lot. There was the rumours of Mary Earps, but that's called for the January window and she won't be going there. Um, they've obviously got Manuela Zinsberg, who's out of contract at the end of this season. They're losing Sabrina D'Angelo to the Gold Cup next month for a couple of games, and they've been talked about bringing in Sarah Buhardi on a short-term contract uh, as well. And I think that's going to be something that's going to be one to keep an eye on because there's times where you think Zinsberger looks like she's going to make a mistake, and it, or even not just that, Jonas Adevall seems to like rotating his keepers at times so I think that's something to pay attention to what happens with Aid Bahadi does that deal get done and what happens the second half of the season with the goalkeeping selection yeah I agree uh, probably one more for the summer I think overall clearly they're not interested in going for someone straight from the off I think that's been spoken about enough times mm-hmm. right now but, uh, we will move on now to Manchester United next. Uh, really interesting winter for them, so to say. Not on-field. It's been more off-field. Yeah. More or less the fans, if anything, after what happened in a friendly with the Mark Skinner out chance that supposed to have happened. It sounded a bit mental from my end, but I can only imagine how it sounded to other United fans when you hear about this. Yeah, I mean, it's one where... There's been a lot that haven't really been happy with his appointment. Obviously, losing Casey Stoney was a big blow 
uh, to them because obviously she was the one that cr- pretty much created the club in the sense of bringing them uh, into existence when they were formed back in 2018, getting them promoted to the WSL and doing so well. And it's just like there's been a lot of stories that I've seen of like uh, Mark Skinner's treatment allegedly. I must stress that it's all alleged treatment of players and you, you can see sometimes you hear players that have been at the club come out and talk about how much it the feel of them being at the new club is different to when they were at Man United. Um, Vilda Barisa and Martha Thomas being the two I can think of recently. Jackie Grove um, as well, been, I guess, sort of public with stuff like that. Or you can yeah. at least tell with her that it, so, yeah, the vibe is different. Yeah, so I think there's obviously that to talk about and keep uh, an eye on. Um, on the field stuff, I think United is going to be one that they need to improve and get more of the results in terms of converting chances into wins because obviously their last game before uh, the winter break, they lost to Liverpool. Uh, and then there's been times where, as well where they just, although they're getting the results, it seems like they have to work extremely hard for whether it was the point against Brighton back in November or the eventual win against Bristol City. It's like, if they're trying to be proper challengers to Chelsea, City and Arsenal for the league title, they need to be putting in more convincing performances uh, throughout this second half of the season. Yeah. Do, do you expect them to have done a bit more business maybe in this window? Because they've been linked again with another forward. I can't remember who it was. I was just thinking, why are they linked uh, to another forward? A Did he defenders? <laughs> yeah. I think... Maybe because of the Ineos takeover uh, waiting to be ratified. I think that's yeah, that finally happened. Stumped them in terms of getting this. Yeah, uh, announced on Christmas Eve, so a good Christmas present. But I think that's what's Was actually it? hurt Man United is he's <laughs> uh, trying to get players in. And do actually do players actually want to come to Manchester United? Have they heard these stories from Jackie Cronin, Vilda Barisa, and Martha Thomas? And thinking. I don't want to go into that sort of environment. Yeah, the true element. Obviously, we don't hear what players they're there and for is almost certainly very different when they're talking to each other. But the vibe I get mm-hmm. as well, like, that doesn't feel like there's a growth with Manchester United. If it was going to happen, it would have been this season when they were in the title race last season. And you expected them to improve there, and they haven't. They've, they have kind of regressed, it feels like. I think they've massively regressed. They're... They're not in such a commanding performances week in, week out, what we saw last season. Obviously, they didn't get into the Champions League group stages, although they had the tough task of facing PSG. I don't know, there just seems to be everything about Man United like just seems to have gone backwards, like three steps when you thought, like you say, on the back of last season, getting to um, a title challenge with Chelsea get into an FA Cup final, you thought, okay, this is what year five it was, I think at the time for United, they're making the progress. But they've just seemed to have taken two to three steps backwards now. Yeah, and none of that's if like, we haven't even mentioned the Mary Earps stuff yet. Is she going in this window more and more? It feels like that's just not happening now. It's all gone very quiet, despite the rumours at the start that PSG now were the favourites. Barcelona maybe had an interest as well, but it's one of these things, you just like, this saga has gone on for so long now that it's so uh, there's so much different info out there regarding her. You don't know what to make the whole situation. It's becoming, um, what do you call it, Alessia Russo Mark II for United. There was all this talk 12 months ago about Alessia Russo's future. Would she stay? Would she go? Then there was talk, what was it, March, April, that United had offered her a contract, but it was too late and it wasn't good enough, uh, whatnot. And then she ended up leaving for free. And then... Like the fact that in the space of twelve months, United could lose three c- c- crucial players like Alessia Russo, Anabatier, and Mary Earps for nothing, is mental to think Pretty of bad. that potentially being on the cards. Yeah. It's horrendous. Bad management. It's, like, it's really bad management from a United standpoint. I know the Ineos team is, I guess, different to what's currently in with the, the women's setup. At United, so maybe things will will change there. For all we know, I'm sure until we get the info, because conveniently enough, they've just not mentioned anything about the women's team and how it's going to impact them. 
which I don't really like. <laughs> I find that a bit disturbing. They said there were. They, it was the whole statement that came up uh, when the takeover was confirmed that they plan on investing in the women's team and whatnot, but they just haven't said like what the plans were. Like Even with Man City, they came out recently and saying they've put in plans and an application to expand, to have a separate training facility for their women's team to open uh, by next year. Obviously, we hear about Arsenal playing games regularly and selling out records regularly at... Um, the Emirates, Chelsea are doing their thing. There's been rumours about who's going to replace uh, Emma Hayes, but United, they just it seems to be a lot of negativeness. Yeah, the vibe isn't what it was this time last year, and that says a lot mm. when the, in the context of a title race and also you know trying to finish in the top three and being the Champions League potentially. Again, uh, we've talked about the top four yeah. a lot now. We'll move to the rest now we'll start with Liverpool and Tottenham first in fifth and sixth respectively what more do they have to do to maybe push a Manchester United I think they're just going to keep getting the results against uh, the lower teams and when it comes to facing off against each other they've got to one of them has got to be the more victor because obviously for Liverpool getting that a uh, big win against Manchester United before the uh, Christmas break was good, but then the game before that they drew with Bristol City. And you're like, it's progression, but you're stopping yourself at the same time. Like, there's times you're like, okay, this Liverpool team is looking absolutely phenomenal compared to last season, but then there's other times you're like, oh, they're not actually progressing as best as we think they would would have done. I mean, I think. The summer signings have settled in perfectly. Sophie Roman Hag and Marie Harbinger. And I think keeping them two fit is going to be key for how Matt Beard's side do in this second half of the season. The vibe I've and got with Spurs, Liverpool is, I think it's yeah, very... Yeah, I will, yeah, we'll come to Spurs. But the, the vibe I've got with Liverpool is the more organised they are as a team, the harder the opposition seems to find it. It, it is one of them. I, 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 there's definitely talent and moments there for them but it's just about making them more consistent I think over this second half of the season yeah I don't want to call it say like it's like a Villa thing from last season because Villa had a standout player in that team that really helped out massively whereas Liverpool the whole squad feels like it's it's decent and there's other players that are yeah. really stepping up in moments I think Taylor Hines has been great for Liverpool this season, Roman Howard has developed as the season's gone on. Hobby, you know, as you said, has been a good signing as well. And there's other players. You know, mm. I think Gemma Bonner deserves a shout out as well. I think she's been great for Liverpool. Let's hope she doesn't get absolutely KO'd like she did in that game against well, Man United. I hope not, but it was nice to see a really bad back in the FA Cup getting the winner against Bristol City. I never mentioned that as well. Uh, to Spurs, mm. though, it, they've been busy. In the transfer window, three signings. Is it three signings? Yeah, it was three signings. Uh, Matilda Vinberg, Charlotte Grant, and I forgot the other one off the top of my head. <laughs> oh, no. Wang Schwang. Wang Schwang, that was it. I always seem to be getting confused with Tottenham and West Ham's business at the moment because it's all very similar. You sign an Australian, we sign an Australian. <laughs> no, it is. It's because they've signed a Matilda and a Matilda. Spurs because obviously <laughs> Australia are called the Matildas and they signed a player called Matilda, which is just baffling as hell. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. But anyway, Spurs, as again, if they could solve the inconsistencies, then, you know, they have a very good squad. And Bethany England, if she can really find the form now that she's back to full fitness, you would back them to mm. try and finish as the best of the rest. Yeah, I think defensively they need to strengthen because I mean Liverpool they've scored 15 conceded 11 Spurs they've scored 15 but conceded 20 like it's something they need to sort out um, a lot more uh, than anything obviously Beth England coming back is maybe Charlotte Grant can offer that yeah definitely and I think um, some of the performances we've seen from uh, Barbara Votikova as well she will only get better obviously she was stand out in there North London derby win uh, before Christmas. So I think 
that's more Spurs' worry is defensiveness. I think they need to strengthen in terms of their performances because I think attacking wise, uh, Celine Bize has been really impressive this season, as well as Martha Thomas. And obviously, getting Beth England back now, you know, the goals should be coming more frequently to Spurs uh, this second half of the season. But I think if they just need, if they can sort the defensive side out of it, then I think they have a strong possibility of being best of the rest. Yep, I agree on all of that. Uh, now, I just want a word on these next two before we get to the relegation candidates as such. Everton, been an interesting window again. They've lost another top player in Natalie Bjorn to Chelsea. Their, their team, it's weird because you think, oh, their team has been gutted a bit here. But then you see them in the FA Cup at the weekend where they looked pretty good in moments. So it's like, oh, actually, is there still something here with this team? It's weird. And then they've obviously made uh, January signings in Ricky Madsen and uh, the line signing of Katerina Molokul uh, from Arsenal. Good. It's weird, like, I, like, cool signing for Everton. You want to say it's a good move for him, but then you remember what happened with Gia. And <laughs> it's like, oh. Mm. You don't want the same thing to happen again if you're Arsenal. I th- yeah, for Arsenal you don't. But I think with Kuhl, um she's obviously worked with Brian Sorensen before. Mm. Um and has that knowledge. So I think she will fit in better than what Geo did. Um, the attacking players, it wasn't where I think Arsenal, uh, Everton needed defensively. I mean, their defence is just getting more and more worrying. And I mean, <clears throat> they conceded 19 goals this season, only scored the nine. And losing Natalie Bjorn, I'm just seeing more. Like, I could see Everton continuing to fall in the table, personally. Yeah. Uh, that could maybe happen, but there's still a sign of Everton if Cathy just know it could really, like, start hitting the ground running and scoring a few goals. Maybe that will help them out a bit. Yeah, there is that potential. And, obviously, she was able to do it at uh, the weekend in the FA Cup as well, scoring twice. But it's... I think I've got more question marks over Everton this second half of the season than I do uh, with some of the other teams. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, to Leicester City in ape now their good start to the season is long gone. I think we can safely say it's not been a great run in the league since. And they've well, they've done business in January. You have to see them on the field to really start judging if they've changed. Mm. I think we're coming up to what a year now since Willie Kirk was appointed. Um, they obviously had in high points, and they're currently in the middle of the low points. Yeah, again, I think just get more consistent performances out of themselves in the second half of this season, and then I think we can see. Uh, the improvements come in. I'm just looking back to my, because I've got here on a piece of paper, my predictions for uh, this season. They're actually in the perfect spot as to where I've got them finishing at the minute, uh, eighth. <laughs> at least you got one right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think more consistent performances from them. They need to be stronger defensively. Uh and they just need to be picking up wins rather than draws, because obviously that's been their big thing this season is how many late goals they've been conceding. Hmm. Be interesting to see how their game management has improved when they face the team below them in the table at the weekend. They're playing Aston Villa, who three wins of the last five in the league would suggest, oh, okay, maybe they're starting to find something. But then you watch them at the weekend and it's like, oh, Okay, this is a problem. I don't even know what to say. Like, I, I get more and more baffled, but the more I watch Villa, <laughs> I so, really like, they def- They've definitely been the disappointment of the season, given everyone had them to obviously be top five again, but that hasn't happened. You know, so, some of us were as ridiculous <laughs> to put them in the top four. I mean, <laughs> honestly, who'd do that? Exactly, wouldn't be me. <laughs> but, yeah, it's been a massive. <laughs> 
Wilson, and I've got them fifth. I'm the actual Villa fan here, and I, I didn't even put us as fourth. Oh, you Jesus as fifth. I'm looking at it right now. Did you? I swear you'd put it fourth in the end. Nope, fifth. I had you finishing behind Man City. I can't even remember. No, see, I had him fifth as I definitely did have him fifth. I don't remember you putting them as fifth. <laughs> I don't, really don't. If you've changed that, um, just cunningly, I'll I'll be honest. Yeah. You can see right, it right here. Right, the context right for the now. listeners, he's literally showing it on the screen. I was there, and I can't see whatsoever because the camera's terrible. <laughs> so you know, I don't believe him. Well, that's the first time. A, I didn't even realise I still had it next to me, and B, why would I change it for? You can bring the like. receipt. Anyway, if I can't um, see the receipt, on the context, then, like, doesn't work the same way, does it? But uh, I guess I have to add my thoughts to Villa right now. I think after the weekend, it's the most I felt. Like maybe there's concern around Carl Ward, and is anything going to get any better? Like I'm still not going to call for a change. I, I still don't think there's a better option out there currently, from what I've seen. It's it's just looking a bit bleak though. Mm-hmm. Give me the options. I'll happily like see who you think can take over. Then I just I just worry the whole setup of the club would go in a vastly different direction, which maybe is for the best because I don't know what the tactics are currently. I, I, I genuinely, I don't know. I mean, there was all this talk from fans online that uh, once Villa got all their best players back, they'd be back dominating and doing what they were doing last season. But they don't have anyone missing at the minute. And I, I'm just confused as to what has gone on with Villa. Like, it's been such a disappointing season compared to last year. Yeah, if there's one critique I can have, then it's yeah, you know, hearing the rumours of Olivia McLaughlin supposedly going out on loan to Rangers when the squad is already depleted as it is and we can't field a full bench when there's any sort of injury. I don't like that. I know she's a young player and needs minutes, but why don't you give her the minutes then? Like give her a chance to, to prove herself. I just don't like that we keep loading out all these young players and not really like trying to give them some game time. Yeah, and then with Freya Gregory as well, like she was recalled from her loan from yeah, Reading. I don't know what happened. What, but, why? Is, like, I maybe understanding wanted to get her out of there if their situation is bleak. But what happens next? Well, yeah, I mean, she, uh, she wasn't even in the matchday squad against Everton at the weekend. Like, is she going out on loan again? Which would tell me she is going on loan somewhere else. I just don't know why. It's it, The whole thing's odd. I don't know what's there's a disconnect, maybe I think, which you know, in the space of a year has deteriorated. It's like well, not even a year; it's been just this season. It, it, I don't know what's happened. Fans want to support the club, but right now it's not in a great spot, like on the field. Just performances aren't good enough. Mm. Right uh, on to the last couple of teams now. Uh, Brighton in tenth, uh, a point behind Aston Villa. I think we'll see more improvement from Melissa Phillips' side the second half of this season. Um, personally speaking, I think we'll just see them just grow into a better side. Um, I think Maisie Simons uh, is one to keep an eye out on for the second half of the season. I think she's done really well and um, so far. And I think if uh, Elizabeth Turlin keeps doing what she's doing, obviously she's Brighton's biggest scorer in the league. Um I think it can be promising. Um, and I think this relegation battle between Villa, Brighton, West Ham and Bristol City is going to be crucial when their sides come up against each other in the second half of the season. Can they get the win or even a draw uh, that keeps them off uh, the foot of the table? Yeah, I, I feel like for a Villa or a Brighton, you're just looking at a Bristol City going, yeah, they're not going to survive. Like they're just They're not going to have enough come the end of the season to to get out of it. But I see Bristol City games and they get the chance to pick up points now and again. Like They they at least have a bit of fight about them. Mm. It's one of them for, I think, Brighton and Villa. It's you just got to hope that there's one team worse than them. Yeah. And I don't think we could... I'd like After the business that's happened in January, I don't think West Ham will be down there now. I, can, I wouldn't be surprised if they did turn it around a little bit. I don't think it'll happen immediately. 
but I think they they can. That's the thing for me. They can definitely get the points this time. Like I like their signings. Yeah, they've made some very good signings, but it's just about how quickly can they fit in and how quickly can they get the results for West Ham to move on the table because. 11th place, only scored 8 goals all season, which is the lowest in the WSL. Um, I think Rianne Skinner's side need to turn it around quickly. Uh, I mean, they've got the London derby against Tottenham this weekend, uh, which is the evening game on Sunday. But then they face Bristol City the end of January, and then they've got uh, a tough period of games coming up in February because they face uh, Arsenal. Then they've got Big game against Everton, then into March, uh, the couple of games there, they've got Man United, Liverpool, Chelsea. Like it's gonna be hard for West Ham. And whilst I do agree the signings that they've made have been really good, um, it's how quickly can they settle and how quickly can they help turn it around for the Hammers. Yeah. And maybe with Bristol City, I think you can also say if they if they could just show a bit of fight as well, that they give them a chance. Well, they've got Brighton this weekend, then they've got West Ham, then they've got Villa, then they've got Leicester, and then Brighton. So realistically, this next two and a half months or so is where Bristol City can be picking up the points. Yeah, like you look at, they literally have to play Brighton twice in the next five matches because they haven't played them yet this season so this is going to be a real season defining for Bristol City if they get points out of these games you give them every chance and then if you're the, the rest the rest then you're just like oh god this this is an issue well we've really got to get ourselves together here hmm. but they need to pick up wins in these they can't just get draws because yes a draw is good but if the other teams around them are picking up the points when they play against them, then they're not cutting into the points differential where if they get a win, say, against West Ham or they get the win against Aston Villa, then you can say, OK, this is them showing the fight and potentially out of a relegation scrap. Because I don't think draws re- well draws don't help them out. Yes, it's more points on the board, but they're the type of games you need to be getting three points in because the games when they face the top six sides in the league is going to be uh, hard for Bristol City. Yeah, I mean, maybe depending on how other teams get on, these next if they lose these next five games, that could be it for Bristol City, I think. Oh, yeah, I think it will be. Yeah, but yeah, I think that's pretty much all the teams covered. So we just want to run through the fixtures again for this weekend. So it starts actually... Friday, Leicester playing Aston Villa at seven o'clock. That will be one for me to keep an eye on. I'm, I'm dreading it a little bit. I'm like, it's, it's if Leicester turn up and find their form again, we're going to lose, and I'm going to be even more worried about Carla Ward's future in that regard because that's another bad loss against the team that we would have beaten quite easily last season. Yeah, um, I think there will be a lot of question marks around that Villa side if you do lose on Friday, mm. and then Saturday two o'clock. Which is interesting. And Arsenal playing Everton. Like, what do I do at two o'clock? It's just unusual to see. And then Sunday's games at Chelsea, Manchester United, headlines at half twelve. Brighton versus Bristol City at two o'clock. Manchester City at Liverpool is at half two. And then West Ham against Tottenham at six forty five. A lot to be excited about, a lot of narrative. We'll be back next week to discuss all of that. A very long podcast. <laughs> this one we've gone for over Jesus. an hour. And, hey, hey, we didn't do one for a while. They probably deserved a bumper edition. Exactly, and it's good to be back. And the run of things. It is good to be back. We've been busy. Though. It's not like we've been away completely. We've been on or very active at the YouTube channel recently, which we hit one thousand subscribers, which is Woo-hoo. a nice milestone for us to hit. Considering, yeah. well, I've been active with this for you for. A year and a half, I want to say, maybe, maybe two years, but you've been going at this for three years and it's nice to see the rise that's happened. Three and a half years. I started in August 2020. <laughs> but yeah, if we're taking, if we're being serious, we really properly did this seriously after, well, at the beginning of the, the Euros. Yeah, Euros, year, well, 2022, 
was when it started to go upwards and everything now is going in the right direction so long may it continue and if you're not subscribed to it over there then head over to our youtube channel yeah you should do like everyone women's else is at the moment talk. we've had a good run exactly just search women's football talk on youtube click that subscribe button if you're not already and yeah we've got plenty of videos over there that we've had uh, over the last couple of weeks, looking at players in the WSL that are out of contract this year, some of the European players that are out of contract, some players to watch. We've got a Rising Stars one coming out soon as well. So plenty to enjoy uh, on your days off. Um, obviously, we'll be back, like you said, next week um, to look back at the WSL stuff and anything else that happens in the world of football, whether it be more transfers or whatnot. Uh, if you want to stay up to date with all the deals that's happening, uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter and Instagram for all the latest uh, over there as we put out the news as and when it happens. Yeah, until then, we will see you next week. See you soon.